<clears throat> All right, well, um, this morning I get to start a small little two-part, two-week series on um, what I am extremely excited about, and I hope that you guys are just as excited about. Um, we're actually going to be talking about the mission of the church, that that one thing that, that w- our purpose in the church, what is it? And uh, I, I'm very excited about this. Uh, Seth, Seth told me a couple weeks ago that uh, I, would, I would have two weeks to preach on, you know, whatever uh, I felt led to, and this is really what God has laid on my heart. Um, and I hope that today you may get a little bit of the passion and the zeal that I have for this, this particular subject, um, and really the, oh, sorry, the, really the, um, the magnitude that this holds in our lives as Christians, um, as the church. So I, I feel like I should start out by telling you I, I love the city of Springfield. Um, I know a lot of people probably don't think this is the greatest place in the whole world. Um, people don't come here to vacation. Uh, there's a couple bowling alleys, uh, incredible pizza, and um, the movie theaters, and that's about all you got. Um, and I'll be honest with you, a couple years ago, this is exactly how I would have felt. Uh, If you had talked to me two years ago and asked me what my plan was for my life, I would have told you I'm going to graduate college, I'm going to pack up my things, and I'm going to move to the Northeast and plant a church. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, I had no intention of staying here in Springfield because there is a lot of churches here in Springfield. <laughs> it's just the truth. Um, and so that, that was my goal. In fact, if you ask Amy in one of our first dates, this is how bold I was. I, I told her if she wasn't okay with that, we probably shouldn't be dating. Um, but she married me, so she was obviously okay with moving to the Northeast. Um, but that, that was my plan. That's where I wanted to go. That's what I wanted to do. But over these last couple years, God has in my heart sparked a passion for the city of Springfield. And I cannot tell you when it came or what happened, but there just came this point in time when I recognized that I didn't hate the city anymore. But in fact, I loved it. And I wanted to see God glorified in every aspect in this city. And that, that, that was my passion. And so today I hope to share with you just a bit of why I am so passionate about Springfield. A bit of why we should be passionate about the city we live in. And it all starts with the mission. Now, there's a lot of methods and there's a lot of ways of reaching people that a lot of people would acclaim to or ministries would tell you that is the way to reach people. My goal today, my purpose today, um, is not to bring that to you. The truth of the matter is, is that methods change, ways of reaching people change. Those things have their ways of coming and going. Today I want to talk to you about the purpose of mission. Today I want to talk to you about the thing, the reason that we go on mission, the reason that we have passion, the reason that we seek to be on mission. That is what I want to talk to you about today. Um, and I, I, think, I think if you ask a, a lot of people in the church um, what mission was, there would be a, a lot of different aspects. And I think most of the time what you would think of is, is something like Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. Go into all the nations preaching, uh, making disciples, um, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Or maybe you think of Isaiah 6, um, where God asks, you know, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. 
after he'd seen a vision of God. I want to bring to you today something that is greater than those. That our calling is not to just fulfill the Great Commission, but our calling is much greater and grander than that. Our calling is to, above all, bring glory to God. And that is what I want to talk to you about today. Um, John Piper said it this way. Uh, I think he nails to the point that I'm trying to make. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Missions exist because worship does not. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate and man is not. When this age is over and countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Our goal as the church is to bring God glory and worship because that is what is due his name. I want to give you guys, uh, maybe, maybe this is more my flagship, my banner text that I, I want to, us to write under today as we really think about bringing worship to the nations because that's what we're here to do, to bring it to the people of the city of Springfield and to the world beyond. Um, and this is really the text I want to look at today. Um, maybe the flagship text, I don't even know if we'll come back to it, but this is the one that as I was reading, as God led me to this, this text just spoke volumes. That's Psalm 96, um, if you have your Bibles. And this is what it says. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nation, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. Let's pray real quick. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, I pray this morning. I pray that the passion and the, God, this burden you have laid on my heart, God, that I can speak it well. God, this message is so much bigger than I am. It's bigger than one sermon can bring. It is bigger than, God, any of us can comprehend. But I pray that through my words, Holy Spirit, you speak in a way that we might all gain a small glimpse of who you are and the glory that is due your name. <clears throat> we love you so much, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> I think the, the, the statement that John Piper made that, that man is not ultimate, God is, I think that would rub most people in our society today the wrong way. 
especially when you're talking about missions. Because so many of us find missions and, and the point of being on mission to be about reaching the lost. <clears throat> about going and fulfilling the Great, great Commission. That, that is what we've, I mean, somewhat indoctrinated to believe at some level. And I think this would just rub people the wrong way. <clears throat> but I think it is of first importance to recognize This is just our selfish sin nature acting in opposition to who God really is. That God is in no need of our worship. And I think it also comes from the fact that we have a misconception of the gospel. Too many of us think the gospel is about you and I. That God came down to save me. That it's about me. It's what I get. It's what I, what I gain from salvation. It's about the fact that Christ came and gave me the means to eternal life. But the truth of the matter is, is that the gospel is solely and completely and totally about God. And really, we are a small tertiary part of the gospel. And that the gospel is actually about the greatness and the glory of our God, His majesty, His beauty, and His satisfaction. Think about the verses that we just read above. God is great. What's it say here? Let me... Sorry. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples, for this reason, because he is great and greatly to be praised, and no other reason. Uh, and that's my first point I want to make. God deserves our praise. God deserves our worship solely and totally and completely because he is God. And that's it. Nothing more than that. Um, Isaiah 40, 25-26 says, To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these, he who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Hebrews 1, 2-4 says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he has created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. Psalm 96, what we just read, what I said, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is feared above all gods. Uh, verses 7 through 9 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. None of those tell us that we are to worship Him because He has done anything for us. He deserves our worship first and solely, first most, because He is God. He is holy, He is righteous, He is our Creator. He is reigning on high. He upholds the universe by the words of His power. He put all of the stars in their place and He upholds them by His might and He knows every single one of them by name. He is the holiest of holies. He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And that alone ascribes Him all of our worship and glory that's due His name. I think it's important to realize that God did not need our worship. God did not create us so that He could get worship and glory because 
the fact of the matter is, is that God existed long before we ever did in perfect glory and worship in the Trinity. <clears throat> that God in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, existed in perfect communion with each other. And they gave each other glory and worship due their names because they lived in perfect harmony and communion with each other. God did not create us for that fact. He already had that. Why he created us is, is still a great mystery. But beyond that, he deserves our worship because he is. The entirety of the Bible is a great story of the greatness of God, and I think that we seem to think missions is going to help him carry out this mission, um, and that without us, he would not be able to do it. Um, but the truth of the matter is that's, that's not true. A.W. Tozer says, We commonly misrepresent God as a busy, eager, and somewhat frustrated father hurrying about, seeking help to carry out his benevolent plan to bring peace and salvation to the world. Too many missionary appeals are based upon this fancied frustration of the Almighty God. God, as the verses we just read, is unneeding of our help, but is within himself the greatest reality of this universe, and we must come to terms with this. His magnificence and his glory deserve our praise. Our work as missionaries in this world and this city must begin and start here. Missions is only the means. God is a purpose. And this is reality. And it is and the reality is, is that this passion for him and his glory not only stems from the fact of his greatness, but that his greatest desire, his mission, his passion, his his work on this earth is for his glory as well. Um, now this is a very crazy concept. And I, and I think the first time I heard it, I was very put off by it. I did not like the fact of thinking that God sought his own glory and that the mission for God in this world was not to save me but to bring himself glory. It, it just strikes me the wrong way and that rubs against me the wrong way. But the fact of the matter is, is that scripture points over and over again to the fact that God's glory is what he seeks and what he wants. Um, one of the greatest verses uh, I've ever read uh, on this, Isaiah 48, 9 through 11, he says, for my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut, cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory, I will not give to another. God is not an idolater, and at the heart of God's affections are himself and his glory. God is jealous for his glory because he is the only one deserving of it. Um, today we're just going to be going through a lot of scripture because I think the Bible gives the best explanation of this. And I feel like there is a, my words could not do with any justice to what scripture gives. Um, and so I, I want to read you a few more uh, that just points to this, that we were chosen for his glory. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Um, he created us for his glory. Isaiah 43, 6-7, Do not withhold 
Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. Scripture even goes as far as saying that he forgives our sin for his name and his glory. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. He doesn't forgive your sins so that you can feel better. He forgives your sins so that he might be glorified, so that he might get the worship and praise due him. First uh, Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. First Peter 4.11 Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This mission that we are going on into the city, into the world, is not our mission. It is not as if we go into this world and we go and meet people that need the gospel and then we tell God to come along. It's not where, it's not, that's not how it works. God has been on this mission since creation, since before creation, seeking his own glory. And that he is moving and we are moving with him on his mission for his glory. It, and the scriptures continually point to the fact that his mission in this world over and over again, is to be glorified. The list really goes on and on. Um, but, but many people find this to be a problem. Um, they find this to be arrogant. God seeks his own glory from us. People don't don't want to think that we serve a selfish God, but the truth of the matter is is that his, what we deem selfish in, in light of God is not actually selfish, but self, selfless. That God's love and glory is actually our greatest good. And so when God seeks glory for himself and he seeks worship for himself throughout the nations, it is actually for our greatest good. And I thank John Piper for this. Um, he He has a book called Desiring God. If you haven't read it, I would totally recommend that book. One of the greatest books I've ever read. Um, But he points to this one fact that God wants us to seek his glory for our good. Let me just give you a few verses that, that maybe speak to this. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 36, 7 through 9. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light, and in your light do we see light. Psalm 34, 8. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The crazy thing is, is that as we follow God, too often we follow him out of duty. And if you were to take the Great Commission, and I was to ask you why you went and followed the Great Commission, it would be solely out of obedience and duty to the command he gave you, which is not wrong. Do not hear me saying that's wrong. That's very important. But the thing is, is that God wants more than just your duty. He wants your delight. God wants your heart. God wants to, to feel your love for him, your passion for him in wo- everything that you do. He wants more than just actions out of sheer obedience. He wants 
you to be given to what he does. I, I think of this somewhat like a husband and a wife. Um, so say, for instance, it's Amy and I's first anniversary, and um, I create this big, huge, extravagant, romantic dinner, and I have um, <clears throat> flowers, and I even buy jewelry, and, and this is just going to be the greatest anniversary dinner of all times, and we have a great night, and, and it's all over, and, and Amy tells me that she's grateful and thankful for what I did. And I look at her, and I lean in real close, and I look at her right in the eye, and I say, it's my duty. <laughs> How do you think she's going to react to that? I mean, honestly. Um, for those of you who are married or have had any kind of relationship with the opposite sex, if you told them that you did everything you did out of duty, <laughs> let me ask you, do you think they would appreciate that? No, the truth of the matter is is that they would not appreciate that because in that statement, you're removing all the honor and the glory that's due them. That's what you're doing when you take that away. You're not giving them the glory that, that you're serving them with. In the same way God seeks our affections and our pleasures and our delight that he might be glorified how much different would it have been if Amy asked me that question and I looked at her and I said, because I love you passionately, because I long to serve you, because I love you, because I want to give everything to you, because I am undeserving of you. Which, you know, she's a little out of my league, so it's true. Um, but, but in all honesty, in that statement, I'm giving her the honor that's due her. That's what I do when I seek, seek delight and pleasure in serving her. If you serve God solely out of duty, it will quickly become a religious action. And it will quickly lose the glory due God's name because of the greatness that we get to experience as we serve Him. If you serve Him out of duty, you will quickly burn out. And you will not be able to continue on the mission. The goal is for God to give you, God, God has given us the ability to go on mission with the greatest fuel of all time, himself. In him you can find the greatest delight. In him you can find the greatest joy. In him you find your satisfaction. That is why, it, continually in the Psalms it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That does not mean you need to eat God. It, we're not cannibals. That's why all the people ran away from Jesus. When he said that, what he's trying to say is that in him you find true satisfaction. You and I long for food and water because we need it for survival. In the same way, God is to our soul what food and water is to our body. We need God to truly be satisfied, to truly be able to go on mission. We need God. So we go on mission because worship does not exist, and it should. We go on mission and we declare the great name of Jesus and God alone because God is great and greatly to be praised, and for no other reason than He is God. He is I Am. We give Him praise. And we seek to praise Him because... In Him we find the greatest satisfaction. In His glory we find the greatest joy. In His glory we find the greatest good. This has to be our purpose for mission. 
We cannot serve him out of duty. It is not out of pity for the people who don't know him. We serve him because he deserves it. Because we need it. Because we want it. Now, the question is, how, how really does the gospel fit into all of this? Because isn't that what we're bringing to the nations? I mean, isn't that what we're bringing to people? We're bringing them the gospel because Romans 1.16 says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Without the gospel, nobody can understand who God is, what his glory is, and can never experience true satisfaction and joy in him. The truth of the matter is, is that in Romans 1 it says that we have traded the glory of God for the glory of other things, of created things. We have, we have traded the glory of God alone for each other, for sex, for money, for love, for relationships, for your job. We have traded the glory of, that was due God alone because he is our creator and Lord for created things. And because of that, we really can never truly experience his glory that we were created to. <clears throat> but on the cross, in the gospel, we see the greatest and the most significant picture of God's glory that all of Scripture gives us. That as God sent Jesus to the cross, You both see his holiness and his righteousness and his wrath and judgment upon our sin. Because the, the fact is, is that because we traded glory for something else, we deserve death. That's what he told Adam and Eve in the garden, that if they ate of the tree, they would die. We deserve death. And so God sent his son in order to take the wrath and the judgment and the punishment that we all deserve on the cross to display his glory in that. In fact, Jesus says that he came solely to bring God glory. John 12, 27, this is Jesus uh, as he's moving towards his time on Calvary. He says, now, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. John 7:18 says the one who speaks this is Jesus talking the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him God is true and in him there is no falsehood Christ's death on the cross was in and of itself the greatest display of God's glory for all time on the cross God displayed his wrath and his holiness for the through the sacrifice of his own son but he also displayed his amazing grace, love, and mercy towards us by giving us a way to now experience and truly enjoy God forever through Jesus. That Jesus came and crossed that bridge. We can now experience true satisfaction. You don't have to seek true love in sex, and you don't have to treat, seek things like your job or money to really feel like you're worth something. The fact of the matter is, is that it doesn't matter if you're worth anything. God is worth everything. God is worth all of our praise and all of our glory. And in him we can find true satisfaction and pleasure. I mean, really think about that. 
Have you ever sought God? Have you sought the face of Jesus so that you might be satisfied in finding joy and pleasure in your life? Too often we make it about us. We see the cross and we look back at Easter. I think it's providential that God laid this on my heart. Last week was Easter. And I'm, don't hear me speaking ill of what was spoke. I, I, God was glorified in that. And I, I, I think Seth brought an amazing message. But recognize that we too often sitting out here make it about us. We take the gospel and we take our salvation and we take Jesus' death and we take Easter and it becomes all about me and you. Because God came to save me and you, right? That's what he came for. Jesus just said he didn't come to save me and you. Jesus said he just came to bring glory to God, that he might glorify his name. You and I are benefactors of something that is much greater than you and I could even understand. Our salvation and the grace we experience in the glory of Jesus Christ on the cross is but a small tertiary effect of Jesus Christ glorifying God. Isn't that just incredible? That we didn't deserve to see his glory, and we didn't deserve to experience any true satisfaction, but he came down and made a way so that we could. That in his ultimate purpose, God planned out that we would be able to both glorify him and find satisfaction in him through the de death of his son. Isn't that just amazing? The gospel is so much bigger than, than you and I. And if we make it about you and I, it's a, it becomes selfish and it becomes wrong and it becomes false. The gospel always is and will be God. He, he is the gospel. Jesus Christ is the gospel. We don't seek to, to do these things for ourselves. We seek God because in him we find our true satisfaction and joy. It is not about you and I. It is about him and his greatness and who he is and the glory due his name because of the fact that he sent his son to die that we might enjoy him forever. So we go out into this world and we proclaim the message of God. If you go back to the verse I read at the beginning, none of that had anything to do with the fact that he came to do anything for us. Over and over again it says, Ascribe glory to his name, do his name. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, not because he came to save you and I, but because he is God and he is great and he is holy and he is Lord and he reigns over all. And so we go out into this world and we preach and, and we bring the gospel. And, and, and I love this from Paul. It's in 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 6. And this is what he says, and I think this, this should be the mindset of our hearts as we go out into this world. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, not for our sake, but for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light, not of our salvation, but of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We cannot go on mission. We cannot be about the welfare of the city, we cannot be about sharing the gospel if we do not first and foremost understand that the purpose of mission and the gospel is God's glory. We cannot seek it for our own gain. We cannot seek it 
to lift anybody else up but Jesus and God alone. This is our mission as we go out into this world. And I, I wanted to start here because next week we're going to talk about what it looks like to be on mission in the city. And if your heart and your motivations are set in the wrong place, then everything you do will be wrong. Uh, it makes me think of uh, like eating food um, to nourish your body, but you eat pork rinds instead. Yes, it does the same thing, um, but let's just be honest, fried pork fat does not nourish you. It doesn't. We seek God's glory in this world and in this city for his good and his glory and nothing of ourselves. <clears throat> John Stott has a great quote, and, and it's been short, but uh, this, is, this is really where I'm going to end it. John Stott has a quote, and I think he says it better than, than I ever could. And so I'm going to end this with him. This is what he says. The highest missionary motives is neither obedience to the Great Commission, important as that is, nor love for sinners who are alienated and perishing, strong as that incentive is, especially when we contemplate the wrath of God, but rather zeal, burning and passionate zeal for the glory of Jesus Christ. Only one imperialism is Christian, and that is concern for his imperial majesty the, for his imperial majesty, Jesus Christ, and for the glory of his empire. This is our goal. This is our purpose. This is not even, more than that, it's our fuel. This is what keeps us going. Zeal and passion and a burning desire to see God and Jesus Christ glorified because that's what to do his name. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you for sending your son to die in our place for our sins, God. But I pray that our thoughts do not stop there. But that, God, we remember and are continually turned back to the fact that it is not really about us, but it is all about you and your glory, God. You are a creator. You are the Lord reigning above all. God, may we go into this world proclaiming great is the Lord and greatly to be praised for the sake of Jesus' name. Because you have shined out of darkness onto our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I thank you that in you we can find true joy and true satisfaction. I thank you, God, that you are great. I pray this rests heavily on our hearts. God, may this be our motivation as we go out and do everything in this world, not even just mission. But God, as we serve our families, as we go to work, God, as we work at home, as we love our wives and our husbands, God, as we just go out into this world and live our daily lives, may we always totally, continually be seeking your glory because it's what's due you. We love you so much, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.